This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. So welcome to our testimony and baptism service. And um, hallelujah. There's some people getting baptized tonight. And we have the privilege also of some people, you know, what is great about church is that we can reach different generations and that we can share with one another. So I'm going to, we're going to demonstrate while the ushers take up the offering, if you can all be quiet and stuff. I want to just, um, for the coolest guy, guys in this uh, building to the front, two guys. Anu and Josh. <laughs> so Anu is going to tell us a little bit about why did he decide or how did he decide to get baptized? Why, what, what sort of changed his life? Like Anu. Go Anu. Anu is my hero. And Josh too. He's my son. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Hanu, like you just heard, and a few years back I had a dream when I was sleeping, like most of us do, anyway, um, so I was, when I went to sleep, I woke up and everything was like glowing, little did I know that it was a dream and it was, everything was just glowing, it was like a temple in this field, it was green grass, the greenest grass anybody has seen. The wind was blowing the grass, and there was this pool, if I can describe it like that, in the middle of the building. And then one for one, the Lord would call people to come get baptized by the Lord. And me and my family was in the building. Uh, I I, I only remember my mom And then I went in, and the Lord baptized me in the holy pool in the heavens. And it was really cool. And then I told my mom, and then she, and then we heard that I was already signed up to get baptized by three people, one including my mom. And then a few weeks later, I got baptized. I was... Nine, if I'm correct, when I got baptized. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's give it to them, lacquer, lacquer, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Great stuff. Next up is Chris. Lacquer, Chris. Hello everyone, my name is Chris, as you heard. Um, I'm currently in grade nine at Stellenbosch High School. Um, and my testimony that I'm gonna share to you guys, uh, it happened in February of this year. Now, for those of you who don't know, our school has grade camps. So every grade goes for like two nights and three days to a, camp, uh, to a campsite and they just like do fun stuff and games and stuff like that. Now, we went to the SCAS camp terrain that was in uh, Yonkazook. And for those of you who don't know, it's gonna be, but it's gonna make sense later in the story, but when you go into the campsite, there's like this little bridge that goes over a river. The other side of the bridge, there's a uh, like a 
like double my size cross. No, but that's gonna make sense uh, later. But so, so uh, now we went to this to the campsite, and now on the second night, uh, me, uh, me and my two friends, Cora uh, and Chris, too, we decided we're gonna like organize like a little worship night for the people who want to come. Like they can come and worship, you know, which is gonna set up like a couple of mattresses, mattresses, and like play worship music on the JBL. And we like we tour the camp, uh, organize like it's is it cool? It's like your shop shop. Go, you can do whatever you want. And we like we gathered in the field, and then all of a sudden like like 30 people sh showed up, and we didn't expect that. We know like we knew there was like a couple of kids in our grade that like really had a relationship with the Lord, but never we didn't really think that like 30 people was gonna come. So we all gathered around the JBL, and we all sat and like lay on mattresses, and we just and we just uh, started worshiping, and then all of a sudden. You know, I was busy worshiping, just closing my eyes, and then all of a sudden, I started hearing people weeping, like crying. And then, I, like, I, I, I like opened up my eyes, and like everybody was like going around, like just saying to one another, like, "Thank you for being like such a good friend. I love you so much." And it was just such a powerful moment. Like the spirit of the Lord just came over us, like this, this thirty kids just worshiping in the middle of a field on a campsite. You know, just the Lord came and just washed His spirit over us, over us. And then we all just hold, held hands and we like we prayed that we can just like really just keep on, you know, just like feeling the Lord that night. And then all of a sudden, I can't remember who it was, but he, he or she asked like, can we just like take the JBL and like march to the campsite? And we're like, okay, sure. And so just this, just this boldness came over me and I took the JBL and like I marched it like this. Like just, and just like, we just like marched straight through the campsite. And we just like screamed out loud the Lord's name that, uh, while the song was playing, and like and this was just like this row of thirty kids just going around the campsite, you know, singing the Lord's name, and we uh, eventually end, ended up like as a little campfire, and then there we like stood in a circle and s kept on worshiping, and then my friend Chris, he came up to me like, "Hey, dude, I want to take like all the guys to the cross and the at the at the entrance of this campsite, and we just want to gonna." You know, just like talk about stuff, and it was like, okay, cool, yeah, sure, let's go. And like uh, the guys, we just gathered there, we like started talking stuff, and all of a sudden, like we heard like this faint, like the, like the, like the faint sound of the music just coming out, getting louder and louder, like in a movie, like like a huge army of soldiers that just came, but it's just as the girls come marching with the JBL, and like all of them just, <laughs> and they all just showed up at the cross, and we just started worshiping, and then it was like so powerful. Everybody was like. Like, we weren't necessarily friends, all 30 of us. And, like, everybody's just, like, so connected and, like, so chilled with each other. It was really powerful to see that everybody was, like, super chilled with each other and, you know, just, you know, just sang the Lord's name out loud. And, yeah, that's my testimony. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. <clears throat> Will you just take somebody's hand quickly? We're going to pray for two minutes just for all the schools in Stellenbosch that the Lord will really bring revival in the younger generations. Let's do that. And then Henri is going to come up and Helena, they're going to also share their testimony. Finish praying. I think so. Okay, okay cool. Um, so I'm Hanali. Um, yeah, and I just want to share of my journey of yeah, depression. So um, I have used antidepressants for four years from my first year until the end of my fourth year. And um, yeah, I... I really struggled to understand, like, Lord, why, why don't you, why can't you just heal me instantly, and why do you heal some people just instantly, and why do I need to use antidepressants just to get through a day? And, you know, it was a, it was a real struggle for me to, 
to be content in that time, to, to be almost dependent on this stuff. And, and I didn't know, I didn't know what, what to do. And um, yeah, later I just decided to, to know, okay, I am dependent on God and I'm just using antidepressants to be a nicer person, literally, and not, not to feel so, so depressed every day and so um, not uh, your a, a drive anymore. And, um, and then at the end of my fourth year, I, um, you know, I went to the Lord and I asked him, but, but Lord, what do you want for the next season of my life? Um, you know, I'm now finished studying and, and you know, what, what do you want me to do with this antidepressants thing? And, and, and I know you don't want me to use, use this stuff for the rest of my life. And, and what, what must I do? And, you know, I, I talked to my parents and, um, you know, through a lot of almost weird stuff happening about, like, wanting to go see this psychologist and this psychiatrist and everything like that. And a lot of doctors almost, um, you know, the Lord just showed me, but, but just come to me. And, um, you know, I... I had really peace about going off of the of the antidepressants, but it it had to take a few months because you can't just like go off of it directly. Otherwise, yeah, that that doesn't work well. Um, yeah, and I, I just really felt the Lord tell me in that time. But do you do you want to um, give up almost this instant satisfaction and this instant? Um, desire of just feeling better for for it an eternal joy and do you want me to come and show you that you must be fully dependent on me and not on these on these pills and um you know, i i decided yes I, I want to i really really want to and in that time your my quiet time started to change so much there was there wasn't a day that i couldn't go through the day and not spend time with him otherwise i I literally like couldn't come come out of the day and and I just felt so a total dependency on him and, and I really felt down in the dumps but I knew that he's God and he, he sustains and you know, also in that time um, I started praying that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is God and even every hormone in my body that you know, that's going all over the place and making me feel depressed will one day bow their knee. Um, yeah, and I just started praying that that will happen now. Um, yeah, so that was really, really amazing. And then the next thing that God told me is, do you want to be a redemptive agent in your bloodline? And are you willing to suffer now for, your, for the next generation and, and generations to come to be redeemed and to be cleansed? And, and God told me, that he's not working with one person at a time. He's working with generations. And are you willing to be obedient and to step out and oh, yeah, just go through this, this almost this horrible time of not feeling well, but knowing that at the end, he is the one that conquers and, and he, he takes all the glory. And um, yeah, I just, I just felt, Lord, if, if I need to go through this a few times, then I will because I... Um, Yo, I want to be redeemed and I want to be a redemptive agent that, that one day my kids can be, can be cleansed of this. Um, yo, and today, six months, I've not used antidepressants. Um, yo. 
Yeah, you know, and, and I can really I can really say that God truly, truly comes and restores if you let him. Um, and for any one of you who are using stuff at the moment, don't be ashamed of it. But yeah, really trust that the Holy Spirit will come and show you yeah, what you must do. And um, yeah, that, that he will really come and, come and show you um, how, to, how to figure this thing out. And yeah, really know that he is the true God and that yeah, every single cell in your body will bow their knee because yeah, he is the true God. Thank you. Good evening, church. Um, yeah, I also just wanted to share something that um, the Lord has done in my life this year, or in my heart specifically. Um, just a bit about my past. Um, from about grade 11 to first year, I struggled with quite an intense eating disorder. Um, it was, it got really bad in my first year, where I'd literally go weeks without having like a proper meal. Um, I'd have like those salty cracks, maybe one a day or two a day. Um, and my biggest meal was actually just alcohol, to be honest. Um, and it got so bad, and I remember, like, when I went home, it was really hard to hide it from my family, because now all of a sudden I had to eat three meals a day, and it would make me so sick, because my body wasn't used to that amount of food. Um, yeah, I lost a lot of weight. I was very, very skinny. I had to shop in, like, the kiddie section, um, and it was just, like, this very difficult time that I went through. Um, it made me very sick as well, and when I met with Jesus, like, it was like everything changed. Um, he brought so much, so much restoration and healing in my life and just true, true peace um, that you can't get from anything else. Um, but something the enemy's always done or, or used against me is when I go through times of like intense pressure or where I'm just dealing with, with things, um, he'll use this against me sometimes. Like uh, a few months ago in the beginning of the year, um, I went through maybe a week where I had like one proper meal because um, the enemy just came and he like really stole my appetite for food. And in the past, um, it would happen now and then and I'd always have excuses. I'll always be like, oh, it's because I have a cold or it's because um, this food is making me nauseous or I'd always have an excuse for why I wasn't eating. Um, but this year, it was really this place of realizing that God <laughs> had for that he had restored me fully when I'd given my life to him and that the enemy only had this like foothold in my life because there was still this place in my heart where I wanted to take control of everything that was going on. I needed to take control of what I was struggling through um, and that there was still this, this thing of, in my heart that I was not feeling good enough um, and how the Lord just showed me that nothing I ever do or wh whoever I am or wh whoever I'm not, will never live up to who, what Jesus is, who he is, what he has done on the cross for me. So nothing will ever be good enough for that. But he still died for me. Um, he died for me and he lives inside of me. And because he lives inside of me, I have the authority to rebuke these things that try to take a hold of my life. I have the authority to say that I'm a child of God. Um, yeah, and he really just came in and showed me that, you know, he is in control. And when I declare that he is Lord of my life, it means that I can trust him, that I can give him control and know that he has plans to prosper me. Um, and I, I specifically felt just that, you know, we all sometimes we're in tough situations and we all deal with stress differently. And many times we internalize it and it manifests in different ways. Um, but to know that 
where the light is, the darkness shall flee, and the darkness will not overcome it. Um, and I just, I feel like talking about eating disorders, there's so much shame to it because, um, you know, there's just shame to it. And I just wanted to speak specifically um, to people struggling with that um, here tonight that, are, that feel unworthy, that feel that, yeah, that they're defined by the world. Um, I just wanted to give you hope that in Christ there's so much hope, there's so much restoration, and he will take the very worst thing in your life and turn it to his his goodness and turn it to his glory. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to praise God for that. Amen. <laughs> thank you. Helene, thank you very much. Um, you may ask tonight, sure, testimonies, baptism, what is baptism about? There's no one better that can describe to us than Meneer van Velden. So come Meneer van Velden, tell us why, why baptism? Would you all ask him together, why baptism? Okay, now you can answer all of us. Okay, we've all asked. Thank you, Sias. Uh, good evening, church. Um, as Sias said, I'm going to share a bit about baptism tonight. Um, yeah, when we talk about baptism, it's nice to start with uh, a common ground, um, you know, what we all believe in. And, and when it comes to baptism, we all believe in that you should get baptized. And that, in that sense, we're all on the same page, that we should get baptized. The difference um, comes in with the how, the methodology, um, how one should get baptized. There's some difference, and to that, that's what we're going to talk about a bit tonight. But I would like to start off with, with a certain exercise. I would like you to compliment the person next to you, but use a specific word. Tell the person next to you, you look nice this evening. Be short and sweet, just you look nice this evening. You can continue with your compliments just afterwards. Um, when we, interesting about that word nice, if this context would have been a couple of years, I mean a couple of hundred years ago, the word nice a couple of hundred years ago actually meant foolish. So if this would have been a couple of hundred years ago, you would have, it would have been a compliment, it would have been an insult. You would have told your friend next to you, you look foolish this evening. And it's interesting, isn't it? The word nice, how the meaning changed over time and it went from an insult to a compliment today. And in a sense, um, it, it's in a sense like baptism. Let me explain. Imagine there was a thousand people here, well, there's more than a thousand here, but a thousand people here that came from different backgrounds, Christians though, but all over the world, just randomly selected Christians in front of you, in front of me. And I would ask them, um, picture baptism in your mind, you know, picture it. And I'm sure you would agree that those pictures in everyone's mind would be different. Um, it won't be the same. And why is that? Um, when you think about the word nice, it's changed, it changed, the same word changed over time, and a new meaning came, came forward. And so with baptism, people understand it in different ways, which raises the question, um, are we doing it the right way? Um, yeah, and, and, and how we answer that is just to going back to the New Testament and see what Jesus actually said. So we can go to the, the word that Jesus used, because we want to do what he meant when he said it the first time. Does it make sense? 
So he, the word that we read there in the Greek is baptizo. I'm not sure if there's a slide. Yes, there's slides. Great. Baptizo. And baptizo literally means to immerse, to be dipped under, to go under. So if that is what the word that Jesus used, surely that's what we should practice. So in a sense, I can take a verse like uh, Matthew 28, you know, the Great Commission, um, and say, it says there, um, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son of the Holy Spirit. Let's say I just use the meaning instead of the word baptize. It would sound something like this. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, um, submerging them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Submerging. Right. I want to move over to the meaning of baptism. And this is a beautiful verse that's just, yeah, it's amazing. Romans 6, verse 3 to 4. What happens when we get baptized? Or do you not know that as many of us who as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, as we were buried with him through baptism into death, and that's where we identify with Christ when we go underneath the water. We, get, uh, we identify with his death and resurrection. Um, let's continue there. Just as just uh, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in the newness of life. So we identify with his death, death but we identify with the resurrected Jesus, which is amazing. And that second verse, uh, second part of that um, uh, that scripture is beautiful. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing, that, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. When you get baptized, you could, it's, it's as if your old man is left in the water. Um, that the body of sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves of sin. So this um, teaching we do at E1 as well. And there's, uh, there was a guy that, that um, taught with me. Um, and he would share his testimony, and, and I'm sure many here has a similar type of testimony where they were in such a bondage of slavery, um, and after baptism, there was just a, a new phase in their Christian walk, as, um, as that verse ends with, um, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We could say we're dead to that sin. We can live in the resurrected life that Christ gave us. The next question that I would like to address is, why do we get baptized? Well, um, think about the Great Commission. This is after Jesus uh, died, was ro uh, risen again, and just before he goes to heaven, he um, gives the final instructions, the Great Commission to the disciples. And in Matthew 28, 19, we, we read, if this is the final things that, that Jesus said to his disciples, it's surely it is significant. And it says, go therefore and make disciples, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. And the second part there is teaching them to observe all the things that I've com commanded. Almost if you put it in bullet points, it'd be those three things. And there it's just um, evident to see how baptism is part of disciple making. It's a command of God and, and, and we do not have the liberty to, to scrutinize God's commands. Um, I would like to, to continue and, and ask who, who can get baptized? Um, you can um, you know, continue there. Who, can get, who should get baptized? I would like to share a parable or a metaphor or analogy 
whatever, um, to, to um, picture just something. Um, let's say you're at a braai, a barbecue, and um, you guys are having a good time, um, and one of the pers- people who, who came to this barbecue is a, a friend from overseas. He's a non-believer, and he doesn't, you know, he doesn't know Christ. He doesn't understand the English either. Okay, but he's a friend, and he's at the barbecue, and you're having a good time. And after a while, you went, and you, you, all of you guys went into the pool, and you guys are swimming around and having a good time. Your friends, however, the other friends that are with you are also Christians. So you've got the one non-believer. And um, as you guys are swimming, you signal to your friend, and he moves um, around with... Um, back of behind the, the non-believer, and you signal, let's do it, and you go, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Boom. Surely, when I tell that story, you must cringe inside. Eh? Um, surely, something doesn't fit, or it's not right. Um, and the question is, why not? Why isn't that baptism? Is that baptism? No. I'm sure you would agree that's not that baptism. But now why? I can think of a couple of reasons. Um, Maybe you can think of more. One, um, the non-believer didn't know what's going on at all. He didn't understand the language. He didn't understand the language. Um, He's a non-believer. He's not a Christian. And very important, it wasn't his choice. He's a non-believer. He didn't know what's going on, didn't understand the language. It wasn't his choice, um, those three things. And if you think about it, it is a lot like infant baptism. That baby didn't choose to get baptized. That baby was born into sin, and that baby certainly didn't know what's going on. Baptism, we should think of it as, as... as something that's really significant. And though on my story, you may cringe, but when we think about babies being baptized, it's, it's, it sounds normal because it's endorsed by culture. But if I'm, I'm sure if I ask you, to be honest, you really want to um, follow Jesus in the correct way, you would say yes. And I want to encourage you, just go back to the word and, and the example that Jesus said and what he said, when he me- or what he meant when he said it. Let's obey that. Um, baptism is clearly significant. And if you think about it, obviously the father of lies, the enemy, the devil, um, would target that which is significant in people's lives, in their journey, in their walk with the Lord. So I, it's just a clear, just to, just to think about it, obviously that would be targeted and um, a lot of lies would go around it. So what are the conditions? Proper rete- repentance faith in Jesus. You must be born again. You must acknowledge Jesus as your Savior, and that must be your choice to get baptized. Now, unfortunately, with all the, you know, sometimes just um, arguments, um, one can have like a, we don't want to have a negative uh, perception of something that's really beautiful. So, I would like to go to Matthew um, 3, verse 16 to 17, where Jesus got baptized. And just, um, let's just see how Beautiful God's response is to Jesus' baptism. And, and when I read this, note how, Jesus, how God responded to Jesus' baptism. 
When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. How beautiful is that? God responding, that God delights in us being baptized, making that choice publicly and being baptized. Um, Just uh, responding to a frequently asked questions of the encounter series is people ask, should I get baptized to be saved in the first place? No, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. Um, one of the verses that you could think of is when uh, Jesus, when he died on the cross, the um, two sinners were um, also crucified next to him, and, and the one guy actually repented there or told the Lord, think of me when you enter the kingdom, and he actually said to him, I'll see you um, tonight or tomorrow. I can't remember precisely, I think it's tonight. But he says he, he will see him in the kingdom. He ensures him the salvation, and without him, didn't tell him to get baptized first, obviously. So um, another frequently asked question is, you know, I'm not sure if I was saved or whatever. I think it's important that you know you you were saved when you got baptized. It was your choice. Was it that place we knew that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.